1: When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com.
2: Luke and Pichot, it's a day in which we can all enjoy ourselves. <laughs> Episode 178. There's a Luke and Pichot back in your ears. Or, I mean, you can put it anywhere, really. I'd really like one of those pillows that have as a speaker um, attached so you can go to sleep to, um, I don't know, I was going to say relaxing dolphin noises, but as we know, this has become <laughs> the, the dolphin pervert hour. No listeners, hour. this
3: show will ever look at a dolphin the same again.
2: No. Um, say not c- the clitoris.
3: Can I ask a very, almost, can I start the show kind of with a pretty embarrassing question? Okay. Based on tech, because it just reminded me of something. Okay, right. You know when you see people walk around with those headphones on? It's like a <laughs> They're thing, just headphones. It's just a ha- thing that hangs around your neck. Yeah. Do they have earphone things attached to them? Hang on, they've got things because, attached to because their neck. Someone said to me, I won't name them right. because it's embarrassing for them in case this is a complete joke. And mm. I, di- I didn't personally believe them at the time. Right. But I didn't sort of question it. I just went away and thought about it. So you see people now commuting or whatever. And they're listening to something, yeah. But they've got this bar
2: that kind of hangs around their neck. Oh yeah, yeah, okay. You know what I mean? Yeah. Right. And and the little tiny wee wires go into their ears, don't they? With the, where the um.
3: Right. So that answers my yeah. question.
2: I've never noticed that, but someone was telling
3: me that they have their headphones that tap into like your bones or something, and you haven't actually got to put
2: something in your ears to listen. No, I, there are bone conductive headphones, but oh, okay. I think you need to be a little closer to your. Um, it's uh, they usually do it through the jaw. I think the, I think the collarbone might be too far away from the. From, Why would from you the do head. that? Um. I don't really know maybe you don't want to put something in your ears I don't know apparently it's very um, effective like surprisingly effective like you just put in I think I tried one in a Dixon's in an air pot what they sell them in Dixon's yeah it's like uh, like a yeah, they're consumer products. you just put it um, you put it near your jaw or on your jaw and it what does it look like conducts not dissimilar to those to be fair. because the bars across the um across the thing are just your it's bluetooth your Bluetooth in your battery. Right. It okay. just means you can get have a much uh high capacity, higher capacity battery. And talk to, so you wouldn't be able to call them headphones anymore, they'd be jaw phones or whatever. Yeah. Uh, jaw I think there's a I think there's a company called Jawbone, maybe very well. Have a product like that. But yeah, the the bone conducting ones usually go across the jaw because Talk to me about the speaker and a pillow thing. I've never heard of this either. It's just a speaker and a pillow, but it's really soft and you sort of put your head down and uh and you can listen to things without actually having to have earphones in your ears, because obviously that's very painful.
3: But what happens if you, I mean, presumably your wife or husband or boyfriend or girlfriend... No, they the
2: can't wife. hear it, because it's just really, really low volume, so you can the only person that can hear it is... Again, it's a conductive thing, I suppose, more than anything else.
3: Are they expensive? Available to buy oh, now?
2: No, no, they're like proper, like uh, those little catalogs you get inside magazines that are going, um, buy this piece of shit. Um, Innovations.
3: Interesting stuff, Peter. Interesting. Yeah. What... um what what else have you been doing? What have you been up
2: to recently? All kinds of stuff. Um I've been uh I've still got a bloody sore throat. It's been tickling me for a little while. I hope yeah. it's not the great cough of twenty eighteen which I experienced for a good two months. You've been like, to what the what? pharmacist? Not being the pharmacist, no. Um I'm pretty uh I've had my teeth cleaned. I've got to get a little I've had, I had a chip on my tooth for like uh I've had it for like four years. Mm. Um and it's starting to just get darker and darker, so I better um sort that out soon. But I, I but I had a little checkup uh a a little while ago on a teeth clean. Um, and she she reckons she reckons there's one that's uh, a client for for a fill uh, for a for a filling, um, and I've never had a filling before. And I kind of wanted to get to my 40th birthday before. Oh really? I got a filling, but I think mm, I might have to bite the bullet on that one. Get so one you
3: must them. have very good. T- oh yeah, because you're the fluoride in the heart of the puddle and water, right? Fluoride. Because I've had a few fillings, and you're you're a bit of a sugar man, aren't you? Um,
2: yeah, we're searching for sugar man. You are, and like that man is uh, me. You can tear your way through a whole bag of Haribo's. I cannot eat. Food. I cannot eat a meal without really hankering after that sugar. And people email in, going, "You don't have to. You just you just stop eating sugar, and you'll be fine." You start, but it's just something my body does and Goes. You need a Mars bar.
3: Yeah, I get that a lot. I I stopped eating refined sugar in any meaningful way, and lost mm. two stone. Incredible, isn't it? Yeah, it's beer for me, isn't it? Yeah, I suppose. that's the thing. If you want to, if you want to, if you want to maintain a healthy weight while drinking beer, drink Guinness. It's very light mm. in terms of because because the the calories all comes from the sugar, alcohol content. Yeah. So. Um, Goodness is very light um mate uh, p j sent this in and normally obviously we 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 have the email section later, but mm. um this is something I thought you'd be interested in, so I thought I'd bring it forward um in two thousand and two p j brought this to my attention listen to this <clears throat> listen to two thousand two two thousand two mate right right ten people found themselves unexpectedly swimming with sharks after a catwalk over an aquarium tank. Collapsed and dumped them into the water. Wow! Fifteen minutes they in there. there. How, how how big was this tank? Foot big. Why couldn't they get out? It was the Aquarium of the Americas um, in um, in the Gulf of Mexico. <laughs> um, they couldn't get there. Was um, I think there were several visitors, four children, the smallest of which was two, right, two years old, right? Um, yeah, in there for fifteen minutes um, with sharks swimming around them. Wow. Um, no one was hurt, seriously. Well, um, hopefully, they'd been well fed if they but were. But a couple they? were treated for, for stress. Um, interestingly, um, reports say that most of the sharks instantly scattered mm. and wouldn't and wouldn't come back. Mm. Um, and, and obviously, a spokesman for the fucking aquarium said they weren't in any danger of being They are in a shark tank. Yeah. Yeah, we're well, great work of sharks in there. So <laughs> they, they probably were. Um, the, t- the tank was 400,000 gallons. And, right. you, and, you, and you know what it is? With um with this kind of thing, I suppose it kind of happens a little bit... It kind of happened a little bit when I went to Disney World. You go on the fucking Space Mountain or whatever, mm. and you know that, of course, they are, these things are impossibly safe. But I would argue that the very reason people go on them in the first place is to simulate danger and just knowing because there's a chance that something could happen, right? Yeah. That's the whole point. Massively. So when you walk over a walkway over a shark tank in an aquarium... You're not thinking this could collapse, though. It's not. It's not a theme park kind of thing. You're thinking I'm quite interested in the animals. I quite like to have a look at them. So that is absolutely terrifying. <laughs> and the one thing I couldn't ascertain is that I, I I was always under the impression that shark tanks and aquariums for for these types of animals are really very cold. Mm. But there's no report of anyone having trouble with hypothermia or struggling or anything like that. Mm. But fifteen minutes in a tank that cold probably would have been quite bad.
2: I, I guess uh surely aquariums are a bit warmer than the sea would be just because the warmer the, the, the warmer the water, the um the more I guess oxygen would be in there, I guess. I don't really know but You've made that up, haven't you? Well warmer um water usually means bigger fish. So it would encourage the growth of the fishies, wouldn't it?
3: Yeah, maybe. Ooh. I don't know. I, I
2: don't know. But, um, I've spoken about the London Dolphinarium before, haven't I? Oh, here we go again. I'm Oxard, worried about it now. Oxford Circus. Um, that's where the London Dolphinarium used to be. I'm showing you a video of him now. Oh,
3: that's been converted into that um, theatre now. That's 39 Steps, right?
2: I don't really know. It's on Oxford Street. So uh, I don't really know. Is that on Oxford Street? It can't Street? be on Oxford Street if it's Piccadilly Circus. Look at that. Look at that. No, no, it's, it was not Oxford Street. So oh. yeah, I mean, it's quite a small little dolphinarium, but it's a, a tank uh, and apparently in the evening i think it became a drinking establishment i think that's what it was for um and the uh there would be bikini ladies and the dolphins would steal their bikinis and they'd be topless oh saucy oh, saucy. saucy carry on dolphins yeah so um it looks like a very thin small building obviously but the fact that it's in um oxford street is just a real weird kind of one of the aberration uh, 1971
3: one of the dolphins there um, being stimulated by a superior <laughs> position clitoris. Yeah. Um, I, I wanted to ask you one last question about this shark thing. Yes. Uh, if you don't know the answer, which I suspect you don't, because <laughs> I don't, but people can email in and tell us if they do. Do you think that those sharks, because the key thing with the story for me is that the shark's scattered. Mm. Do you think they're so used to being fed
2: that they just don't have any hunter's instinct Yeah, anymore? I just don't think they're, they're... Yeah, they're probably not hungry. So they, therefore it is safe then? Animals only like hunt... I'm fairly certain that most animals only hunt when they're. It's like um, zoos. Uh, zoos get a bad rap and deservedly so. I mean, you're in, in, in um, you're caging up animals, but fundamentally, um, animals only move on. Animals only move like use gargantuan uh, amounts of space because they've exhausted food sources in one place. So right. if, so if the, but it depends if the food, on the animal. Yeah, but if it, the food is plentiful, the animal doesn't move. Like, um, but mm. yeah, I mean, zoos aren't great.
3: What's well, so that story that um, of that bear that escaped from a zoo years ago? and they couldn't find it, and then it was actually back in the cage. <laughs> because it got to the time when it was being fed. Yeah. And So it was like, well... You, yeah, why right should I go there? anywhere? Yeah. Yeah. But that's quite sad, though, isn't
2: it?
0: Um, because, yeah.
2: a, li- a for example, a lion's range is massive. Mm. But again, it, but it's they've got to hunt, haven't they? But if they've been served food all the time, they don't... They don't, they don't, they don't so might. if you set up a little
3: stall in an area
2: of a savannah <laughs> yeah.
3: for a lion... It would move. It'd
2: be happy there all the Yeah, time.
3: fuck it. It <laughs> just hang around out there. Don't package it up, though. What's it got to worry about? Um, yeah. I didn't, anyway, so if if, if you if, if you if you know anything about this kind of thing, get in touch. We'd love to hear from you. Um, what else was I going to say to you, Mister Pete Donson? Oh, yeah. That, this is another story that I found the um, found interesting. Um, scientists have tried to find the ultimate limit of human endurance. Okay. Um, which I was led to believe was when you refuse to take a second trip back to the car to get your shopping bags mm. and take them all at once. Yeah Um, because you're being stubborn, Mm. and your fingers almost all fall off.
2: Horrible big line, yeah. Yeah.
3: But apparently it's uh, two and a half times the the body's resting metabolic rate, or 4,000 calories a day for an average person. And they found this out um, by analysing 3,000 ultra-marathon runners who were running 3,000 miles over, obviously, across a period of time, um, with the race across the USA, which was, uh, I think, 3,080 miles Mm. in 140 days. They followed some Tour de France cyclists around, uh, and some other elite events. Um, but, but, but pretty interesting because some people can just do it, right? There's a, there's a guy who um, has got the record for running the most distance in 24 hours. Right. I think it's quite a famous record in the running community. I think he's about 52 when he did that, mm. which is surprising, right? Yeah. But he was saying, i read an interview with him years ago. I tried to find it, but I can't find it. It might have been in a, in a running magazine that I used to read. He, um, he's, he maintained that... Um one, that it's all about fueling your body properly. And right. two, in that kind of challenge, it's far more psychological than it is actually physical. Right. I guess he's pro I don't know if this is true, but I guess he's saying, that if you can run a thousand miles, you can probably run fifteen hundred miles. Yeah. You just keep fueling yourself and looking after yourself. Mm. And this is about the psychology. And he said he wouldn't be able to do it if he was a younger man because you have to go to some really dark places. Mm. He didn't have the experience and the, and, the, and the and the and the and the mental toughness to, to deal with it. Yeah. Oh, so some of our best running years are ahead of us, Pete.
2: <laughs> Marginally. Not not, not yeah. with my knees. Wow. Um, what's, what's that? 4,000 calories. So you're burning off 4,000 calories. I presume so, yeah. So you would have to, to be level. You have to eat that amount.
3: But there was a guy who tried, you know when blogging was massive? Like yes. Tumblr blogs and all that kind of stuff. Mm. There was a guy who said, I remember reading this blog, and he said, what am I going to do? I love I cycling, man. I love the Tour de France. Mm. I, but I can't, I can't recycle. Really so I'm going to eat all the food they eat every day yeah and um, I think he got to the second day and he's piled it in yeah I think he got to the second day because they're taking on board seven, 8,000 calories a day mm. he got to the second day and he um, he gave up and he still had like a kilogram of pasta left to eat
2: <laughs> it's incredible you yeah. just feel like constantly stodged well yeah, I guess you wouldn't because he would be burnt off so quickly but yeah just any, and also like after I've eaten I always want a little sleep Oh same just,
3: yeah. just every single time That's how you know If you're eating too much Because if your body Wants to sleep It's because it hasn't Got the, the energy To process right. you being awake And and process the food ah. So that's why If you have a Sunday roast You always want a nap In the afternoon Because yeah. your body's like Give me an hour oh, off I here love, I love a nap though Yeah same oh. But I, I once interviewed A guy called Alan Murchison
2: mm-hmm.
3: He's got a really good cookbook Called The Cycling Chef he used to, I think he's a nutritionist For a professional cyclist And he's a, a very very um, Talented cyclist himself And um, it, I, I interviewed him once and uh, one thing that used to baffle me, when you watch the Tour de France, sometimes you'll see them just cracking open a full fat can of Coke mm. and like bolting it. Mm. And I, I was always thinking, one, that's like full of refined sugar, yeah. which your body's got to break down. Two, it's really fizzy. Yeah. Um, and it's full of other nasty things, right? Mm. And I, I, I was desperate to ask someone as to why they do that. And his answer was fascinating. I thought he said... It's radical, man. <laughs> he said, "He said, um, let's sponsor by Coca-Cola. <laughs> no, they didn't. He said, he said he said that when he first started at work as a, as a nutritionist, coming from a background of being a cyclist, yeah. when all the other nutritionists had never worked in cycling before, never understood what the endurance was like, the camaraderie, how difficult it can be, mm. all these dark places you have to go to. He said when he paired up with the other nutritionists for the first day, nutritionists were preparing things like cow smoothies, blah, blah, blah cow smoothies, superfoods this, grains that, whole grains, oily mm. fish and giving them up in there and I can't remember what they call the little bags they have on them mm. but they have for their food because they're cycling for so long they mm. actually have to eat and drink on the road, right? Mm. Um, He said, little tip for you mate to the other nutritionist, as I used to be a cyclist, I'll tell you this for a fact, right? In 50 miles time when they're stopping off for their feed, they're going to find the nearest um, convenience store they can find and they're going to buy packets of Haribo's, cans of Coke, Mars bars, because the life of a cyclist on the road is fucking hard <laughs> and it's fucking grim, and when it's pissing it down, sometimes all you want is a bag of Haribo or indeed a can of Coke, and uh, that's the only reason. So it is There's just no like, science yeah. behind it. No, so sometimes you have to have a little five minute break, yeah. where you drink a nice can
2: of Coke. I find uh, cycling just ridiculous. That yeah, they part, are ridiculous. that level of that level of anything. Yeah. That, that it's it's and if that
3: doesn't work, Pete. Treat yourself to a little pot belge, mate. I
2: think it should be. <laughs> I think uh, that kind of extreme body modification and uh, uh, it should be treated uh, with the same level uh, of... Um, I look at it the same way as a religious fanatic.
3: Yeah, I think it's... A, I think like it's, a,
2: just, it's just taking it too, far. Just if you read, too um,
3: far. If you read um, David Miller's Racing Through the Dark, he's a guy who um, was convicted of doping mm. and now runs... Um, a huge program or helps out on a huge program to combat doping in cycling. Please tell me it's called Not Belge. <laughs> no, it's called Racing Through the Dark. Should be called <laughs> Not Belge. That'd be great. Yeah. Um, and he says that um he he explains very, very well the mentality mm. of why a cyclist will fall into that addictive kind of win at all cost mentality mm. that it's very hard for you or I to understand mm. because they dedicate so much of their life to it to the point they're addicted to it. And and addictive personalities are very, very interesting because. Mm. They can be useful but mainly someone, harmful. You look at someone like Ronnie O'Sullivan for example, I mean, he's said he's got an addictive personality and he and he's now clearly addicted to running. He runs like a marathon every other day or something ridiculous right. because he's got he's got a um, completely addictive personality where he gets obsessive obsessive personality. That's okay, fun too. So I think um if cyclists yeah I think if cyclists get to that level they've probably got an element of that about them. Mm. There's no way anyone could argue that's healthy for you doing that, right? No, massively not.
2: You'd, no. you'd be dead at 50. <laughs> Yeah. Well, we'll be dead at
3: 50 for another reason, won't Yeah, we? exactly. Yeah, but at least I'll have had a full fat core. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Whenever I want one. <laughs> um, let's have a little break, Pete, and then we'll do some emails.
2: All right. Then I'm going to press this button.
0: Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side?
1: Juvederm Volux XC. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Gentlemen,
2: this is Democracy Manifest. Julian Assange. Thank you. Thank yeah. you. I was waiting for you to do that. Go for it, mate. All right, then. Um, this is Gareth from Norwich. Hey, Gazbom. Um, hello, Gazprom. Hello uh, <laughs> to both uh, of you. Thank you for the continued entertainment to make my Tuesday and Thursday morning drives to work less painful. Uh, listening to your latest episode 173 and your conversation about kids saying the funniest things, uh, I'd just like to share some of the shit my youngest daughter has come out with. After my wife and I had split, uh, I moved into a house share with my best mate. She told a single mum at the school I was uh, trying to get to know better that, uh, that, yeah, I was. she told a single mum at school uh, I was trying to get to know better that daddy doesn't live with her mummy anymore because she wants to live with Uncle Lee. Oh dear. Sorry, because he wants to live with Uncle Lee. Oh right, okay. Yeah. Uh, indicating that he may be a medical man. Yeah. Um, presumably. Um, she said to her friend, fuck off you twat at school. <laughs> she then proceeded to throw me under the bus. Uh, When told uh, that them words are only used by grown-ups, she said, Daddy says I'm a big girl now, so I thought it would be fine. And Daddy says it to his friends. She also once again at school proceeded to announce that she had shit herself. (laughs) Once again, throwing me under the bus by telling the teachers that that's what Daddy says when he farts. I've shot myself. Uh, she's come up with loads of other things that means now the school runs are far more awkward uh, than uh, that can never be recovered. Uh, keep the good work, Gareth from Norwich, who uh, will never get with that single mum. No, because I've, he has shat himself <laughs> and uh, he doesn't like women.
3: <laughs> I've um, I've been led to believe that if if you catch a toddler or hear a toddler swearing, mm. you're not supposed to mention it. Right? Okay. You're supposed to let them think there's, so they won't remember it. Yeah. If you make a big idea, big deal out of it, mm. they know it's like a power thing, right? Because everything's a <laughs> negotiation. So. You don't don't reference it. Right, okay. Unless I guess like a, unless they repetitively do it in public. Shouting it the C yeah. word in a church. Yeah, yeah, over and over again. Less suboptimal.
2: I'd call that suboptimal.
3: Thanks for that, Gareth. What about this from Tom? He says, <laughs> Hi Luke and Pete. I think you'll love this. Okay. I picked this out with you in mind. He says during the beginning of episode 172, Pete brought up the topic of lock picking. Okay. And various security flaws in common locks and security devices. Mm. Tom says, I thought I'd give you guys some more information and interesting things. To get um, your teeth into, I wanted to draw your attention to a phenomenon that you find in large organizations called key alike keys. Okay. Basically, a massive number of, in quote, secure items mm. like key safes, locked doors to electrical equipment, uh, and the standard gray metal box that clearly contains something important, are locked with keys that are easily identifiable with a bit of knowledge in Googling and even easier to buy online. Yeah. The biggest example is, is this. In the USA, the most common police vehicle is the Ford Crown Victoria. Many Crown Vics use exactly the same key, a Ford 1284X, which can be bought on eBay for about 20 bucks. So basically, if you buy one of these keys, you'll be able to get into and drive away a police cruiser without ever even having to pick the lock. Yes. Your sincerely, Tom. Pete... I'm annoyed about that because I've just come back from the US,
2: but you will no doubt be there again soon, and you can try that out. I, lo- I love any I, I love again. I, I think it started because of the lock picking lawyer. I um almost <laughs> I almost bought a uh, really secure um, army lock for eighty dollars from nineteen eighty eight, a sergeant and Greenleaf, an S and G high quality uh, security padlock. Um, uh, the the best in the business. Um, but I have nothing to lock up. I have no valuables. No, and I don't know why I'd want it. But you it's live an almost transient existence. Like a, like a, I'm like one of those uh, Japanese guys who's kind of just got rid of all Marie Kondo's life to to, to shit, and all he's got is little electrical uh, items. <laughs> couple of laptops you need. yeah but it's um you're a troubadour mate yeah but it's uh but I, I find that whole thing fascinating i find are you still living in the studio by the way <laughs> i find it fascinating that most locks are eminently pickable uh and not only that most of them have like serious security flaws where you can just get a screwdriver and just open the back of a lock and open it it's i think that every, i think there's a part of every man that would
3: like to be like mike ermantratt and breaking bad
2: right you know, the and, guy just, I mean. and just have a lot of skills naughty yeah. skills
3: so basically Mike Owen a guy who you've not seen Breaking Bad where mm. you call him up say look mate I need you to get around this person's house mm. I need you to tell me what they're up to I need you to put a couple of cameras in their house a couple of listening devices mm. I need you to do it without being detected yeah. um, and also on the way back I need you to go around that guy's house and kill him without ever being caught <laughs> and Mike can do it There's <laughs> an we talked about Hitman was it this show or the show before mm. where the reason people play that stuff is because they like as horrific as it sounds I quite like the idea of being an ultra badass, never detectable like assassin. It mm. sounds very cool about, but there's, there's, there's a reason why there's so many of these kind of Assassin's Creed, Hitman, top video games, right? Yeah, people oh, yeah. love it. I love sneaking about. Love Sneak.
2: Love a bit of sneaking about. I was. What's the st- one with snake thingy in it? Uh, Metal Solid Gear Solid. Snake. Metal Gear Solid. Yeah. Um, he's a bit more uh, out and about now. He's, um, Hideo is back with a new game called Death Stranding right. uh, very soon. I think it's coming out later this year or maybe early next year. And it's got Mads Mikkelsen uh, and oh, a yeah. bloat with a crossbow who's not a great actor from uh, Walking Dead. And uh, also... <laughs> someone else. I think Keanu um, Reeves is starring in a new video game scene as well. He's in the video game Cyberpunk something something. It's a right. new video game. Uh, he's also in Fortnite as well. Okay. But I mean, it's it's a it's a win-win. If you yeah. just get Keanu involved, he's, he's, yeah. he's the darling of the internet, so gamers will just go, this is brilliant. Mm. Keanu Reeves is in the game. Yeah. I was kind of was, I at the weekend, thought, Um, I'm going to mention who it was, uh, but somebody in my industry, and if you're familiar with my work, uh, you'll know what industry it is, um, were doing a, uh, a show, a radio show, and uh, her boss took her keys from her bag, a long time ago now, took her keys from her bag, went to her house, unlocked the door, went inside uh, and God knows what he was up to. I mean, I think we can sort of speculate, but let himself into uh, the house. Luckily, her housemate was home and went, sorry, who the fuck are you? He went, oh, I'm that person's boss. Uh, And then just uh, got flustered and left. Um, That's literally a crime, right? Literally a crime, yeah. But classic uh, industry that I work in uh, back in the day, the the bad old days, uh, just gave him some uh, leave for stress. You know, what? Didn't, didn't, didn't that's crazy right she I'd, should I'd, press I'd, charges man I'd, 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 I don't know weird that's terrible very very strange not necessarily my story to tell but hopefully I've left enough details out that uh, the person will never be identified what reminded you of that story So I was telling it at the weekend and lock picking lawyer oh. <laughs> I'm just saying <laughs> okay, he didn't right. like the security flaw was the person in question was a complete and utter sociopath slash psychopath
3: I'm just thinking as well I know this is not I don't come across as endorsing this behaviour because I don't but maybe it's a bit more about my mind than, than anything else but the first thing I thought when you said the story is like if he's put that much thought into it he must have thought that he might get busted
2: so mm. think of a better story
3: mm. when have you, you got turn up.
2: have you got a housemate
3: yeah or what are you doing here oh um you should have an answer to that yeah you should have gamed this out uh, there's no answer no That's <laughs> problem. The problem there's is no
2: answer that will not be found out it's such a poor behaviour
3: there's no excuse <laughs> Yeah, interesting.
2: I'm a massive devian and horrific. Yeah, yeah. Are you still? Are you, do you know the guys? Are you still in the industry? I don't know. To be honest, I didn't know. I didn't Peach know the. I, I didn't know the name, and I don't. Think I want to know the name. To be no. honest. No. Yeah, fair enough.
3: Curious um, men
2: are nightmares. Men are yes. Um, nightmares.
3: Pete, we should probably tie a knot in all this kebab no. chat. Why? Because we talked about kebabs a lot, and we asked for emails, mm. and we've got a load. We haven't read them yet, so I reckon Sorry. we should read some of them now.
2: Sorry, everyone, and then we can get
3: that one done, can't we? Okay. What about this from Sam Westover? The kebab chat got me thinking, guys. My hometown kebab shop called Star Fast Food had a rebrand, and they all got new T-shirts. Ooh. Someone who ordered the new T-shirts and new menus, though, made a terrible mistake. And instead of Star Fast Food, they had menus and shirts that said Star Fast Foot. I mean, in reality, there was probably a lot of foot in kebabs, but they had these shirts and menus for at least a year and really leaned into the name.
2: Mm. You get a lot of, Abroad, you get a lot of uh, that sort of business. Like... um, it was a great little. Um, who's who's
3: baldy? Who's the baldy, loudmouth idiot man on MasterChef? Oh, um, Greg. Greg Wallace. Greg Wallace. He did a, he did a little investigation. Red, I'm remembering a name for you. Oh, yet, no, yeah. oh no. He did a rare. He did a, a, a um, investigation into the quality of kebab meat, and mm. it was actually found to be very good. Yeah,
2: yeah. I have no problem with kebab meat. I think yeah. it's great. I think yeah. it's one of our finest inventions. Yeah, because I presume you don't have it anywhere else because nobody would put up with that level of crap. Yeah. But um, yeah, you do see like in foreign clams, you do see some hilarious, like you know, I'm just human skin meats. Have yeah. a bit of this. Yeah, there was a wonderful um, uh, restaurant they used to take friends in, in Tokyo uh, that was Emergency ER, I think it was called in uh, Shibuya, and you'd go there, and it was they couldn't really figure out whether it was a prison or a prison hospital kind of theme. They do have a lot of theme bars out there. <laughs> right. So it was like a restaurant where they'd serve you like, they'd put like fucking condoms in the drinks and um, like dildos Weird. in the drinks and uh, it's Japan. and so this uh, is a place d- you would take bed, friends to? Bedpans uh, filled with blue curry sauce and stuff and just, just shite food. Right. Absolute nonsense. But like, the menus were quite humorous and you'd have like... Um, it was like these chicken wings where they'd sort of paint the um paint the um the legs on them so they look like fingers and it was Freddy's claws, like Freddy Krueger's claws. That's classic. And it did look a bit like, um, like his little weird claws, uh, but the inscriptions, inscriptions were so funny, and it's kind of like, uh, Freddy went to hell. Uh, Freddy went through hell to bring you a delicious, uh, it's like a succulent meal <laughs> like, yeah, or okay. something. A delicious meal and all this stuff. So it's you- like, and if you have a salad, like uh, this prison has no uh, reason to keep you alive if you're going to be a fat prisoner. <laughs> Eat this salad. That's fine. <laughs> you can't you know, look after your own health. You
3: know, in Ch- in China, they famously eat like every part of every animal, right? Mm. Is it the same in Japan?
2: Uh, not as not as much, no. But, um, but China's like the ultimate kind of foodies paradise because like you could live there for years and still never eat the same. A dish they use every part of the animal as they bloody should and they, that so you, side of things but I,
3: you couldn't find like I mean you wouldn't be able to easily
2: find chicken feet in Japan the way you could in China uh, you do see chicken feet every now and again I'm, right. I'm struggling to see why anybody eats chicken feet <laughs> in, in 2019 yeah. but I was in a uh, um, I think it was like a, it was a video game themed um, bar uh, slash uh, restaurant and I uh, had a bit of chicken feet any good? no gristly. I, 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 there's nothing on them I, yeah. don't, I, I cannot understand the point there yeah you have little nails. You can't chew on them, no. and it just you just eat the skin off the chicken feet. It's just nothing. My, there. my friend uh, Danny does a lot of travelling. He he
3: um, he, he's, he's, he does a lot of repping. So he goes mm. to different places, different cultures, genuinely repping, all repping, around the world. Re- re- and um, he gets honoured with meals and as mm. is the custom. And he says like sometimes, like because it's seen in a lot of cultures as like the guest of honor has the most prized part of the animal yeah but the most prized part of the animal isn't really what we would describe as the most prized part no of the it's animal. not a breast never a breast sometimes he's like I just do you know what I'd love I'd love a lovely rib, rib of beef but he said that the worst he ever had I think was in the Philippines and they they basically got the intestine of a pig and mm. squeezed out the waste of the intestine yeah fried it with a bit of chilli really said, there you go yeah the shit
2: Wow. Yeah. I mean, that is law. That is. That's I, mean, you see, I said as to as him, guess. I
3: can't think of anything
2: worse than that. It's pretty bad. That that's worse than like,
3: being given like a fried up ring piece or something. <laughs>
2: uh, you know? Spectacular.
3: Anyway, um, Connor Christie, as well, with, on the kebab theme, he says, On the Tucker Kebabs, I've got a story for you. Mm. A few years ago in Luke's homeland, I presume he means Portsmouth, me and my partner, he <laughs> might even mean Ken's Kebabs in Portsmouth, legendary kebabs from Portsmouth. <laughs> Ken's Kebabs? Uh, me and my partner, after an evening of walking or stumbling home, went to the only food establishment open, the kebab shop. We got in there and began to slur out our order and suddenly my partner becomes um, absolutely convinced that it it's her dream to um, to cut the spinning slab of donna meat herself. Nice. Obviously puzzled, the boss man didn't know what to say. She kept pleading, trying to make him give up the meat uh, cutting responsibilities <laughs> and to my amazement, he reluctantly agreed to let her cut her own donna. He invited cause... her behind the counter and handed over the large blade. She cut her meat. We paid. And she left with her dreams fulfilled. Do not (laughs) give a pissed person that knife that big.
2: No, exactly. But also, um, a lot of um, shops—you don't see them quite as much anymore. Have that little, um, that little electric shaver that Mm. shaves off a very thin. I remember when they came in. That was a big,
3: that was a big moment in the kebab
2: community. That, but then, but then they disappeared, and just people use knives again now.
3: Oh, they're not a thing anymore. No, you don't see them. People saving energy, mate. (laughs) Saving the planet. (laughs) Absolutely furious. Never
2: mind. All right. I uh, got a message from... Speaking about um, men and women, uh, feats of uh, of incredible physical um, extremity. Um, Nick and uh, Gareth, two people uh, from up north. Um, hi, little Pete. My buddy and I were on a longish car drive and we started wondering if a human could swim to the moon. it's 250,000
3: miles, so I'm not sure that would be possible.
2: After a quick Google search, it was clear that it was insane to expect uh, them to do it in one go because it's uh, 384,000 kilometres. However, it got us thinking about whether a person could do it in a lifetime. Um, After several minutes of Googling and hypothetical maths, we'd worked out what the ask was but needed a suitable candidate. Uh, Introducing Martin Strell. He's now 64, a man from Slovenia who is best known for being an elite endurance swimmer who once swam the entirety of the Amazon. Oh, I uh, heard about that guy, is, I remember. Which uh, is yeah. nearly five and a half kilometres in a mere 66 days back in it's 2007. It's five and a half
3: thousand kilometres, right? Say again. Five
2: and a half thousand kilometres. What did I say? Five and a half kilometres. Sorry, five and a <laughs> half thousand kilometres uh, in a mere 66 days back in 2007. Very impressive, I'm sure you'd agree. However, the real question is, uh, can he swim to the moon in one lifetime? So do some basic, basic maths, uh, taking a lot of hypothetical liberties, health, nutrition, boredom, etc. We worked out that Martin could uh, swim 75 kilometres a day. If he only swams twice a week... Uh, which is eminently managed by the way can I just say 75 kilometers a day that is a lot it's still a lot in it yeah yeah he could complete his epic quest in no fewer than 51 years 51.2 years I, in fact. I don't think I, I think that's too far we did we it. did try and work out whether it you'd swim back but he figured uh we figured that the guy had probably had enough by then <laughs> yeah he would have done yeah
3: yeah mind you he'd be stuck there though wouldn't he
2: exactly he uh has contained the maths surf back um he has contained the maths but he uh but, uh, but, but, but I I'm think, I I think I the, the liberties range.
3: that are being taken there are too, but too great. I I, I,
2: don't, I, don't I mean, I mean, the big thing is the water being in the universe, but that's yeah. the big one, isn't True.
3: it? True. When I was at the Space and Rocket Centre for my brother-in-law's wedding a few mm. weeks ago, they had a um. I I don't know what, you, I, don't, I can't remember what the technical term for it is, but you know the module that they come back through the atmosphere in? Yeah. The little capsule? Yeah. They actually had one of those. Right. They took it from the, it splashed down the ocean, they took it uh, and they preserved it and put it in this museum. Mm. First of all, it has three astronauts in it. It's fucking tiny. It's absolutely tiny. I would Ridiculous. lose my goddamn mind yeah. immediately. Secondly, to have that in front of you and see that's been to the moon and back, yeah. and see all the scorching of the when it comes back through the atmosphere, yeah. the, the heat proofing, it's amazing. It's f- absolutely I, amazing.
2: I find uh, the burning up in the atmosphere. I can't. I don't know why that happens. <laughs> like I'm sure it's been explained it's, to me it's many friction, times, isn't it? I think it's friction. I know, but like that's amazing to be hurtling that hard. That it starts getting real hot, amazing.
3: But one, well, well, yeah, it's, it's it's incredible. And and you know, do you follow the QI um, Twitter? Um, for, um, no, they're really they're really good. And and they, put, I can't find it now, but they they put a tweet out a while back, and it's all obviously they're all sourced and stuff, so they're all true. They said that in nineteen in the early 1960s, I think it was nineteen sixty one, when JFK announced that man was going to go to the moon for the first time. Yeah, it was the American man, right? They didn't have any launch pads built, and uh, they had no idea of how to do it, and they didn't even know there was no even accepted consensus on the direction they should be firing the rocket into. So again, what's this? so he he essentially gave them a challenge mm. to get to the end of the, to the moon by the end of the decade, right? Right. But at the time he made that statement publicly, mm. there were no launch pads. Yeah. no rockets, mm. and there was not even a scientific consensus about which direction to fire the rocket in. <laughs> That's how basic they were. Risky. And within eight years they did it. Amazing. Yeah. That's crazy. crazy. And it was also 50 years ago now.
2: Yeah. And it was a space race. It was. The old space race.
3: Anyway, Pete, on that note, we should probably um, leave people alone for a bit. I think so. And uh, come back to them on uh, on Monday. Mm. Uh, thanks very much for listening. Uh, hello at LukeandPeacher.com as we always say to get in touch about anything you want. We'd love to hear from you. Um, do follow us on Twitter at Luke and Pete Show as well. Um, Peter, it's been an absolute bloody pleasure as ever, and um, we'll catch up again soon. I got a friend with
2: a pole in the basement. Cheers. <laughs> <Bye. laughs> This was a Radio Stefano
0: production. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at fifty to eighty percent less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just sixty bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince—they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing.